today. We're looking at Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10, verse 10 to verse 13. Next week we'll have part 2. It's a two-part series. Today we're going to be focusing on the nature of spiritual warfare, the nature of spiritual warfare. Then next week we'll get more into the details of the particular aspects of the armor of God. This week we cover a little more generally and then we will conclude Ephesians. I, I believe it's the beginning of September. All right, let's read. Follow along in your Bibles and on the screen. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the day of evil having done all to stand firm. Let us pray again. You know, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Lord, we desperately need your word that we might understand the situation in which we are in. We pray that you might sober us that you might equip us for the battle that you have called us to fight. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. I was having a great time playing uh, badminton with Enoch, Matthias, and Daniel. Uh, it was just shortly after the COVID restrictions were, were lifted and um, was about 30 minutes in or so, you know, giving it my all and I was just pouring in sweat I was exhausted and I was looking over at the other guys. They seemed to be quite relaxed and I was, I was having a tough time. Um, and so, you know, Enoch nicely comes over and, and says, hey, um, actually with badminton, you really just need to use your wrist. Um, you know, it's not like tennis where you have to use your, your whole arm, okay? Uh, he could see that I was, I was using more of a tennis swing. And uh, after that, I began to make some adjustments, and I began to realize, wow, yeah, okay, this is, this is way better. I began to, uh, to improve. I was trying very hard, but I was trying in the wrong way. I was trying very hard, but not in the right way way. Now, this is how it is for some of us in the Christian life. I talk to many Christians, and it seems they are very tired, and it seems like they're working very hard, but it seems that they, like myself often, are trying in the wrong way. Our passage wants to remind us that the Christian life is a fight. It is a battle. We need to be strengthened. We need armor we need to be trained. And there is a great danger that we can misunderstand how it is that God wants us to fight. 
Some of you maybe today are discouraged in the Christian life. You're a little weary. You're weary of your sin. You're weary of the fight. Well, today we have good news for you. As we learn God's way, we will find great strength. Now, some of you may be on the other side, the other extreme, putting very little effort forth. Well, both individuals, those who are lazy in the Christian life and those who are working hard but not God's way, are both in danger. They're both in danger. And today we need to see that we can only overcome, we can only overcome this spiritual war in God's strength. In God's strength. Verse 10. And we can only overcome in God's armor. Verses 11 to 13. Praise the Lord. He equips us. God is going to equip us for the very mission, for the very bloody, dangerous battle that he has called us to, that we might actually be able to withstand. That's the good news today, that God actually gives his people power to overcome. So we must first, we must rely on God's strength. This could be in some ways a summary of the whole Old Testament. Israel needed to learn that it was God who fights for them. He was the one who was going to strengthen them and enable them to receive what God had promised. The promises were far bigger than them. The promise of, of a whole land that they would possess. And yet, time and time again, God would prove to them that He was able, that it was His strength that they needed to rely upon. Now, when we come to the New Testament, when we come to the book of Ephesians, we've heard it over and over again that God has united us to Christ. And actually, that is a key for us with depending on God's strength. We need to know our union with Christ. I believe this is resurfacing here. Uh, the one Greek dictionary, which translates verse 10, translate it this way. Finally, in union with the Lord become capable by means of his great strength. By being connected to Christ, by being bound to Christ through him and his strength, with him dwelling inside of you, you stand strong in the faith. Now actually, you could sum up the whole practical section beginning from chapter 4 with this same idea we have saw at the beginning that we're called to live out of this union with Christ in the church. We are one body. We have one spirit, one baptism. And it is from that oneness, fundamental oneness, that God has granted to us in Christ that we learn to live in unity. Then next, we live out of that union in the home. Right? Even in marriage, God has beautifully united husband and wife, and we're called to live in reflection of Christ's union with the church. And then last week, we heard that we're called to live out of the union, that even it bears fruit in society, that we belong to the Lord, that in all our workplaces, and all our callings, we serve Him. So you could say, a summary of this book is, is that you can only live the Christian life through God's strength, supplied through being connected to Christ himself as you remember in chapter one we've been given every spiritual blessing in christ in connection to him 
We have immeasurable greatness of his power in Christ, that same power that he worked in the resurrection and ascension of Christ. We've been raised up and seated with Christ in the heavenly places. So what does this mean? Well, Charles Hodge very helpfully notes, as a branch separated from the vine or as a limb severed from the body, so is a Christian separated from Christ. He, therefore, who rushes into this conflict without thinking of Christ, without putting his trust in him, without continually looking to him for strength, And regarding himself as a member of his body, deriving all life and vigor from him, is demented. That is, is behaving wildly or irrationally. We're called to abide with Christ as Jesus taught us in the Gospel of John. What does this look like on a day-to-day practical level? Well, it means that we wake up in the morning and we say to God, apart from you, Oh Christ, I can do nothing. Say it every morning. Apart from you, oh Christ, I can do nothing. But with you, oh Christ, I can do all things through you who give me the strength. Yes, I can resist the devil today. Let me live in your strength. We rely on God's strength through knowing our union with Christ, but also through knowing the might of the Lord. This word here for might in verse 10 is the same word that's used in chapter 1, verse 19. Speaking of the might by which God used to powerfully raise Christ from the dead. And exalting Him above every authority, all rule and power, dominion. Above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. His might has overcome death, Christ's own death, and so too ours in union with him. But what does this look like on a day-to-day basis? What does it look like for us to draw strength from his might? Well, it would do good for us to meditate upon what he has done, what he has done for us in Christ. That as you hear of death ravaging people's bodies throughout this world, you remember what the Lord Jesus has done and what he's promised to do with your body. That is to raise it. You meditate on his power day after day as you experience the fears, the many crazy things that go on in this world and we rely on his power My father, I remember he would teach me to pray through the attributes of God. And one way to do this is you can go through the alphabet. You can do it now. Our father, we pray that you might show us how you are the almighty God. The almighty God, that nothing is impossible for you. Father, even now as we desire to know your might, Lord, let us Let it sink in. Father, we don't want to listen to another sermon. Father, we want to be transformed by your power. Rest in the fact that you are the Almighty God. God, you are beautiful. 
There is no one like you. The light of your glory and light of your presence upon our lives is, is even far more beautiful than that glorious sunset that sets upon the Klang Valley. Oh, Father, we want to be overtaken by the greatness of your beauty day after day. God, you are changeless. Father, we are so often blown and tossed by the waves and winds of doubt. Lord, help our feeble faith. Lord, would you, in your strong arm, as you did for Peter, pick us up again and again. May we be refreshed that you are unmoved. You are not shaken like we are. We praise you that you are a God. In Christ's name, amen. Oh, that we would learn to depend upon God's strength, to meditate upon his might. This will give us incredible strength. Uh, one thing lately that I, I just really love to watch is my daughter Joy doing the monkey bars. Yes, she can actually do it. She can do the monkey bars. And I love her smile at the end, the sense of accomplishment as she gets to the end. Um, you know, she, she uh, just has this yeah, incredible sense of delight. How did she do it? How did she do it? Well, she looked over at me and said, hey, Daddy, can you hold me? And there I am. I'm holding her, right? She's doing it, but I'm holding her. She's connected to me and my strength. She's totally relying on it. And yet in that, she is experiencing the joy of, of accomplishment and victory of the monkey bars. So too for the Christian we are to be those who recognize we're not strong enough. But with Christ and with his might, I can do it. How much does it honor a parent when a child comes up and says, can you help me? Can you help me? Do you know our father delights in those words, brothers and sisters? Four simple, small words can you help me? If you do this, friend, you will find strength. You will find the very strength of the living God upholding you in all of your trials. But in order to overcome, we need God's strength. But it's not like we need strength for a 5K run. We need to be very clear what we need strength for. We need strength for war. For war against the forces of evil in the heavenly places. We need God's armor. And this whole section just shows us what we're up against. The nature of our warfare and the kind of training that we need. Verse 11 and 12 highlight the seriousness of this conflict. We must first must know our opponent. If we understand our opponent, we're going to understand how essential it is for us to have God's armor, not to fight in our own strength. That would be foolishness. We see that the devil here, as he's described, is one who is scheming. He's crafty with planning, with an intent to deceive us, to trick us. Lying in wait. Maybe you've heard of those scammers who are just kind of lying in wait for someone 
to take advantage of, someone who's vulnerable. That is the devil. That is what he does. Chapter 4, we've learned that there are human beings who have schemes. Listen to this. We're warned against being tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. One way the devil seeks to deceive people is through the human lies, through false teaching. This is clear. But also, we see in chapter 4, that he takes advantage of strained, strained relationships and angry feelings, even among believers, seeking to divide them. Verse 27 of chapter 4 then says, Give no opportunity to the devil. Give no opportunity to the devil. So he uses the lies of the world. He uses our own sinful flesh to seek to deceive us. We must be well informed. 2 Corinthians 2 says we must not be outsmarted by Satan's devices. He's clever. Also in Corinthians, it says he masquerades as an angel of light. Saying to you, you need to sin. Sin is good for you. It will feel good. Youth. The devil will say to you, it is only just that you pay your sibling back for what they did to you. It is only just. You must do it. Do you know his schemes, brothers and sisters? There's a great book called The Screwtape Letters. Highly recommend it to you where, where C.S. Lewis brilliantly shows it from the perspective of a demon who's masterfully, masterfully seeking to destroy God's people. Another book I just picked up called Knowing Sin. Boy, it would be really useful for us as Christians to know the schemes of the devil, to have a clear idea of how he attacks. But what's interesting is we, we also know that the devil has a whole army ready to be used against us. Read verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers, over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This is intense. These are those who are stronger than us, that are greater than us, a multitude of those who would seek to destroy us, not physical, not like the kingdoms of this world, even more difficult, we're unable to see them. We can't simply resort to physical fighting, we can't simply fight back in the ways that we're used to according to the flesh. We can be so tempted to fight according to worldly standards. We have whole churches that are seemingly fighting against the schemes of the devil in the flesh. God, have mercy on our church that we would not fall into these lies of emotionalism. If we just get enough excitement, this is how we will draw people to Christ. If we just 
build people up, make them feel good. Maybe intellectualism, if we can just make people feel really smart about themselves, we can build a great church. Maybe sensationalism, if we have better music, that will bring them in. This is what we need to defeat the forces of evil. Bigger programs. Pragmatism. If we just build the church like a corporation, if we just know how to get it right. But we need to be very clear that what we are being called to is not to use means of the flesh. No, we need to use God's methods, God's armor. This battle is spiritual. And we are helpless without Christ. Now, thankfully in the East, um, don't need to do much convincing that spiritual realities exist. But Christian, do not forget that we are weak. We are supposed to read this and, and feel a sense of powerlessness as we read about the enemy. Do you see how thorough, how just on and on and on he's going with these descriptions, cosmic powers? <laughs> what if you and I, what are, you know, what are we? How can we, how can we deal with such a battle? So we need to acknowledge that we're outnumbered, we're outmatched, and therefore we must look outside of ourselves. Notice also that we wrestle. This implies hand-to-hand -hand combat, right? This is like one-on-one. -on -one. He's coming for you. This is very personal. Personal assaults after every Christian. William Gurnell in his very, very large work on spiritual warfare on this passage, after meditating on this section, says this, Oh, how careful would a soul be in duty if as going to church or closet, prayer closet, he had such a serious meditation as this, Now Satan is at my heels to hinder my work, if my God help me not. Do we come to church with that mindset? Satan is at my heels. If Christ, if God would not help me. I believe that the key application here is for us to recognize that the Christian life is one in a place of weakness. It's one in a place of powerlessness. Perhaps some of you have problems that you feel like are too big for you and you are just thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking and trying to solve your problems. And you find yourself stuck. Those places for the Christian is the best place for you to be. Because it is only in those moments that you say, God, I need you. I need your armor to equip me for this spiritual battle. It is only until we realize that we cannot do it, that we cannot 
solve all of our problems, that we cannot save our children, that we cannot save ourselves, that we need his armor. But often in the Christian life, when our brother is struggling with sin and overcome, we seek to give some quick practical problems to try to, uh, a few uh, quick practical advice or counsel to help him solve it. But very rarely do I hear Christians when someone says, I'm struggling with sin, I need help, I feel hopeless, I feel discouraged. Does someone just cry out in desperation with that person in prayer? We need far less practical advice. Sometimes that's certainly helpful and necessary. But more often, I believe, we need to cry out with God's people for his power, for his strength. Another thing I've observed in Asia is that there is a strong vigilance to danger. Um, Often there is a fear of spiritual oppression and many ideas on how to appease the spirits and many rituals. But often there is... There's a, a kind of physical vigilance to danger. Um, I remember, you know, uh, South Korea, Japan, pre-COVID, mask. It's great. Wanting to be cautious. Um, I see there's many uh, forwarded messages that get sent around Malaysia. Beware of this scam. Beware of that scam. Um, again, that's great. Um, I hear of people that are very concerned about health matters and what you eat and lots of advice being given on how to care for the body. Um, That is outstanding. I see a lot of individuals really dedicated to getting their children good education. That's outstanding. Good securing your finances. These are all very good. But we need to ask ourselves, do we have an equal vigilance for spiritual warfare? see um, throughout the world a great casualness. I see it in myself many days. You can most notably see this in a lack of prayer. I don't have time to pray. Um, you can see it in churches. You want to guess what, what, is the, what is the least attended ministry in almost every church? Corporate prayer corporate prayer do we believe we are in a spiritual battle or not maybe it would do us good to examine the common prayers for our children often we pray for our children's physical safety this is wonderful this is good but how often are we praying when they go to school father protect them from the evil one The very prayer that the Lord Jesus taught us to pray for ourselves and for others that would be delivered from the evil one. This should be such an important aspect of our prayer life. We must know our opponent. When we know our opponent, we will recognize we need God's armor. We need to fight in his way with his method.
Next, we need to know whose armor we put on. It's the armor of God. It's the armor of God. This is incredible. Paul is drawing from Isaiah 59, 17, a number of other passages, where it is God who is the warrior. It is God who robes himself in armor that he might defeat the enemies of God. And isn't it interesting that here God is said to supply us with his very own armor. Children, how great would it be for Iron Man to give you his suit? That would be, that would be pretty sweet. I have a friend who made an Iron Man suit, yeah. Um, pretty cool. We're told that God is going to supply us with his armor. It's guaranteed victory. If we knew this, Christian, we would walk around with a sense of confidence in him. That God's just not, it's not just God who's doing the fighting. No, interestingly enough, he's equipping, equipping us to do the fighting. And he's going to supply every resource that we need that we might win, that we might be victorious. This is good news, my friend. This is what the promise says in our passage, that we will be able to stand not standing as a casual observer, right? Just sitting back watching, chilling out on the sidelines. No, that we would be able to stand, withstand like a tornado of wind, hurricane, cyclone, right? And there's this oak tree just standing there, rooted and grounded See these beautiful trees in the jungle of Malaysia? They're rooted and grounded. They're not going anywhere. Winds can come. They are secure. So too for the Christian. We need not fear the work of Satan. No, we know that in the gospel, we have been delivered from the power of Satan. That's what Colossians 2 tells us. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing in them over in the, by the cross. The cross is our banner of victory. The war is won. But yet, God has called us to live a life mirroring his own life. So our life will be like his. We will be in the wilderness, we will be hungry, and we will be vulnerable, and we will be attacked by the enemy. And yet God, again and again, will supply his people with all that we need to fight. And we will pass through death to victory, just like our Lord Jesus Christ. And we will meet him on that final day, and the church will be the church at rest. How sweet that rest will be. But until then, you need to be very clear that Satan is going to seek every opportunity to take advantage of your sinful flesh. What did he say to Cain? Genesis 4, 7 is what he says to us. Sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. You must rule over it. If you're not ruling over your sin... If you're not fighting your sin and putting it to death, it will rule you. 
it will dominate you. If you're not gaining ground in the battle, you're losing ground. If you're not pushing ahead, seeking to fight in God's armor, you're in trouble. The passage tells us that there is an evil day ahead. Likely this is times when Satan is seeking to assault us. We know what these times are like. When it just seems like we're being attacked on every, every front. But again, there's a promise here in verse 13. You will be able to withstand. Point is, with his armor, having done all to stand. You have a responsibility. You have a job. And as you faithfully seek his means to do battle with the devil, there is a promise here and a promise in James, which says this, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Good one to memorize. You resist the devil, there's a promise. He is going to flee. God is going to give you times of rest. He will not let you assault you again and again and not provide a way of escape for you. Stand firm, brothers and sisters. I remember meeting a disillusioned soldier uh, many years ago. He was really longing to be married. He had prayed to be married for, for so long, and uh, he was tired of battling with sin. And he, I remember, you know, he's talking to me, and he's saying, why is it so hard? Is, is it not supposed to be like this? It was a hard thing to say to my brother at that time. This is exactly how it's supposed to be. The Bible has described our Life is war. It's like we're in a minefield with snipers at us. We're not walking through, you know, galloping through a field with daisies and, you know, dancing, frolicking through. That's not the Christian life. The Christian life is dangerous. It's going to be a bloody battle to the very end. We must expect it to be so. Do you expect spiritual attack? Secondly, do you believe that God has equipped you all that you need for this battle with his own armor? So, brothers and sisters, again, are you waging war? How can we know? Normally, it's shown in how little we pray. This is a sign that we do not believe that we are in war. If you make light of your sin, this is a sign that you are dangerously unaware that you're in a war zone. That you're, it's like you're in Ukraine, just casually walking through the streets. It's not how we were called to live the Christian life. If you're not cautious about the teachers that you listen to, the books you read, even the sermons that you hear from this very pulpit, if you're not evaluating them according to the word of God, this is a sign that you do not realize that you are in a war. 
And are you engaging in this war with God's armor? How can you know? Well, are you seeking for self-help? Are you looking to yourself and your own resources and your own rationality? Your own power? For example, say your child is complaining. It's very easy to think, okay, well, um, and they're complaining day after day. They're, they're struggling with complaining. And, and maybe, you know, that our natural thought is to think, oh, maybe we're not given a good enough diet. Maybe they need more exercise. Maybe um, they're not getting enough sleep. Now, some people can over-spiritualize everything. We are body and soul. Some things may be related to our body. But often we are missing the spiritual battles all around us. Our children are under attack by the devil himself. We must put on God's armor and we must train them as well how to put on God's armor. There are many seasons um, in which we may be vulnerable, and we need to understand what those seasons are. For a lot of us, it's times of physical weakness or sickness, right? Those are prime times for the devil to come and to attack us, to seek to shame us, to seek to discourage us. Been encouraged recently by their brother Jacob. Was experiencing a non- number of trials of late, fear-inducing potential ca- cancer diagnosis. He was told, you may have cancer, and there he was, sitting and waiting, kind of in agony. Thank God later to discover that it's likely no cancer, according to the doctor. Praise the Lord for that. But he described the physical pain, the emotional period of waiting during that, during that season. He would continue to write in his journals, and he would, he would describe it this way. He would say, it was lots of inconveniences, of daily lifestyle adjustment, of discomfort and sleeping, of emotional pain. He would go on to say, and as a person always on the move outside the house, I had the challenge of being confined inside the house except for those times when I needed to go to the hospital. What's interesting to note as you read his journals, one, one is the fact, it's interesting to note, that he's doing devotionals in the middle of incredible pain and difficulty. You can see very clearly that our brother Jacob was fighting in God's strength, was fighting in God's armor. One, he had the sword of the Spirit, This is what he says. Today, each one of us may bear different types of pain in our lives. And we may always look to our sovereign God to sustain us and experience his faithfulness. He is the God who daily bears our burdens. See Psalm 68, 19. Do you see that? He's looking to the strength of God His character, his sovereignty to uphold him, to sustain him. He's looking to God's word, to his promises, to help him fight in the middle of incredible discouragement and fear. He's very aware of the spiritual battle that surrounded him. 
Are we aware? Are we aware? I'm reminded that our spiritual battle, this whole passage, is not just to the individual Christian. It's actually for the whole church. That we, together, must wrestle. That we, together, must struggle and fight this spiritual battle. That is why, again and again, Pastor Wong, myself, the leadership have urged you to be a part of a small group. If we don't have anyone who knows our vulnerabilities, we're in trouble. God has not designed us to fight alone. Other people need to know us and our weak spots and the ways in which Satan attacks us. And we need them to be praying for us daily. If you're not in a group, we'd love to connect you with other brothers and sisters who can support you in this spiritual battle. It's the very nature of the church to do battle again and again and again. So, brothers and sisters, we need God's strength. Beware of self-reliance. We need God's armor. Put it on. Fight with his weapons. Recognize how great our enemy is and that though he is great, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Some of you may be tired. Maybe like me with badminton. Using a lot of Self-exertion, self-reliance, trying in all the wrong ways. Look to the Lord Jesus Christ again today and depend on him. You will find strength and we will overcome. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that you have not left us alone in this battle the world would send lies to us day after day as our own sinful flesh just be wrought with falsehood. And the devil who prowls around like a roaring lion would love to take advantage of us. Lord, we would pray that you would have mercy on your church. Lord, we would pray that you would strengthen us for the fight. For those who are fearful, those who are doubting, we pray that you would strengthen their faith, that they would be given courage today, that you have given us all that we need for life and godliness, that you will enable us to overcome, to withstand. Father, grant to us this church the joy of fighting this battle together knowing that we're not alone knowing that you are on our side knowing that together you are leading us to that victorious celebration carry us lord sustain us lord as many who are weary lord may they find rest and refuelment in you you, would you receive all glory and honor for the victory that you bring? We pray all this in Jesus' name.